Hey, this is Brandon Emma Richardson, and we are the pastors here at Slate Church based in Waterloo, Ontario, and this is our Sunday podcast. We really hope this message inspires you to lean into all that God has for you. If you would like to get connected with us, follow us on social media or go to slatechurch.com. And hey, it helps us a lot if you would rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast. Join us for today's message. How's everybody doing? What did you say? Oh my gosh, I've got so much on my mind. I'm in a different place. It looks similar. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. Man, it feels, it feels good in here this morning. And uh, it's good to see um, so many people back from vacations. Hey, while the rest of you were traveling over the long weekend last weekend, there's some holy people still here praying and worshiping God. And so I just want to welcome you back into the presence of God. Families like the Webbers, so good to actually have you back in church. It's been a while, and <laughs> like, wow, that's so terrible. Just start pointing out people that were missing last week. Yeah, good to see you, Taves. Has been quite a while, you know. <laughs> it's so funny because the faces of offense. You have to know that these are two of our closest family friends, so that's why I'm pointing them at. If you're here new and you're like, is this what happens at Slate Church? Kind of. Uh, if you're close to us, it's, it's a dangerous place to be. Um, but uh, it is good to see you guys back. You had COVID. Good to see you guys back there in Newfoundland, uh, God's country, and uh, God's province. Um, it's good to see everybody. Okay, we are in a series right now called um, Out of Pocket, and uh, we're talking through some of these like really odd things that are recorded within Scripture, and often these things that when we're faced with them, we're confronted with them, uh, we don't know what to do with. Uh, so often when we come across something, uh, what I'm thinking is not as much like, how do I understand this? But like, how in the world like, would my friend who's reading the Bible right now or that I I'm, I'm want to have read the Bible, like, what, would, what would they be processing if they were looking at this very thing? Like, I'm having a hard enough time dealing with this. Like, like that's just an added barrier. So part of this whole series is to make sure that we're not just going like um, blindly into the future without having some idea of why some of these things are recorded in Scripture or what their proper context is. We're trying to figure out like, okay, if somebody was asking me about this question, how could we answer it? And so today we're going to be talking about why is why is God seem so violent within Scripture, and uh, we're going to dive into that and. Um, uh, Maybe we should just read the verse before I pray, because maybe some of us are like, oh, never really thought of that. Well, let's, let's hear what God says. First Samuel 2, uh, sorry, First Samuel chapter 15, verses 2 to 3. It says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Amal- Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. Now go attack the Am- Amalekites and totally destroy everything that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death men and women, children and infants, cattle and sheep, camels and donkeys. Okay. I mean, when we have friends that are like, where should I start reading the Bible? Maybe just refrain from suggesting 1 Samuel chapter 15. (laughs) Because this is the kind of stuff we're like, how do we deal with this? So why don't we pray and then we'll get into it. God, I thank you that we get to gather here this morning, and God, I thank you that um, you're a good God. I thank you, God, that we get to come in here and 
um, there's some of us that have done the work. We read passages like this, and, and God, we can process um, that this doesn't mean that you're, you're evil or, you're, um, or even that you commit genocide, which you've been accused of. But God, I, I pray that as we, um, as we gather here in your presence today, for those of us that maybe we've just been afraid of doing the work, we're not sure what's on the other side, maybe this is, you know, part of our faith is just tradition. It's what we've grown up with, and we just kind of avoid thinking about this sort of stuff. God, we pray that you would instill within us a confidence that you are who you say that you are and that you are good. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Okay, so we're going to deal with this, and there are some common themes that we're going to talk through as we go along. Um, as we were driving in this morning, I was, uh, we're, we're driving along uh, Iron Needles. And uh, as we're driving along Iron Needles, I saw one of the weirdest kind of uh, spectacles that, that I've, I've seen. I, I don't know why it occurred to me as weird, but I kind of came around one of these bends, and as I came around the bend, I saw this woman kind of stooped on the ground. And I'm like, oh, like, this woman is in distress. She needs help. Like, um, my first thought, because, I, you know, your brain's taking, like, quick snapshots of, of what's going on. My first thought is, oh, this is, this is a homeless woman picking up her belongings, and she's about to carry on her way. And, uh, and then my brain's trying to, no, it's not a homeless woman. It, like, she must be in distress. And then I, I realized, no, she's not in distress. She's... She's just, she's just stooped behind her, behind her dog, and, uh, and the reason she's doing that is her dog has, has uh, pooped on, on the side of the, and, and she's down there, and she's, she's got her bag for her dog poop. She pulls it out and puts her hand in this bag, and, and uh, she, she uh, takes it, and, and uh, she's stooped down behind the dog, and she's like, you know, picking it, picking it up, and ties it off and probably ties it on to her belt to walk to the next garbage can. And I, I was so perplexed because the husky in front of her is like looking back and like, you're picking up my poop. Like, I've duped you. Like, I'm a wolf. And somehow as a wolf, I've convinced you as a human to pick up my dung. Like, the dog's like, I, like it's, it's almost like the husky is smiling. And I'm watching this whole thing because, I mean, my brain went from, is this a homeless woman? Is this a woman in distress to, like, something worse? I'm like, we are serving our animals now. Like, like we're literally picking up. I, wouldn't, I don't even want to do that for my kids. Like, and I'm watching this happening, and I'm going, like, in our culture, this is completely normal. Like, this is, this is normal. And many of you do the same thing. <laughs> this is, like, where some of us don't want to laugh because we're like, what are you saying? And it's like, well, I'm saying we're crazy. And... And what I'm saying is that, like, there are time periods that we've been through as a, as a society, as a human race, that if you were to tell them, hey, one day, that wolf that you're scared of, that's, like, run around killing all your, like, chickens, um, one day you're going to pick up its poop and, and you're going to like it. You're going to be like, oh, I love this dog so much. People would think you're nuts because it is nuts. And if you're doing that, it's crazy. Who wants to walk around with just, like, warm? There's, like, oh, it's just, I had to watch it. You have to experience it with me today. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up is because it is, it is strange, and, um, but it's become normal. It's, it's normal in our society to watch this happen, and we just drive by. Most of us don't pick up on the fact that somebody's picking up their dog poop. In fact, usually I don't. Usually I'm not, like, walking by and, like, oh, 
what a great thing they get to do this morning. Like, wish I was doing that, you know, but instead I got it. Nobody is even conscious of what's going on. And I think that as I was, you know, preparing for this message and even just thinking through some of the context of what we're talking about this morning and listening some, to some other um, speakers on this sort of topic, it became evidently clear that one of the things that we continue to butt up against in this series is that what we think is strange and what we think is off and what we think is not normal is simply just living in a different time period. Now, you might go like, listen, God commanding the, them to kill the Amalekites' infants and their toddlers is not like just living in a different time period. That's always been wrong. Okay, well, we're going we're gonna to deal with that. But what we have to understand is that when we come to Scripture, if we're not coming with this awareness that we are, we are actually like we're just living in a different time period— then we're, we're cutting ourselves short from the, 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 the lessons and the things that God wants to talk to us about. There's this idea of chronological snobbery. And chronolog chronological snobbery essentially says that over time we have been progressing so much as a human race that we are now much smarter than the people that lived thousands of years ago. But if we just look at some of the practices in which we live in today, like picking up our animals poop on the side of the road. Maybe we aren't, aren't doing as good. Now, that's like low-hanging fruit, and, and many of you would disagree with me. But there's many different um, examples of where this just isn't true. We're not just getting better as a society. One of my favorite lines that I'll quote often is from C.S. Lewis, where he says, progress is heading in the right direction. But if you're heading in the wrong direction, the most progressive thing to do is to turn around and get in the right direction. And for us, we just call progress just... Progress is whatever we're doing in this generation, and it's better than what, they, what our grandparents did, better than what my parents did. And so we have this kind of chronological snobbery that we're always getting better. But what if we're not? And what if God is actually good? And what if some of the things that re are recorded in Scripture are actually for our benefit, even when on the face of it, it seems like how could it be? And so when we look at passages like 1 Samuel 15, verses 2 to 3, we have a couple of things to wrestle with. Um, there's kind of two components to this message, and uh, I wasn't sure um, which one to start with. And I think I'm going to start with, uh, uh, with the one of our understanding being different than God's understanding. What we have in Isaiah chapter 55, uh, verses 8 to, 8 to 9, is this. It's a verse a lot of us have um, come across. It's a verse that a lot of us have... Um, definitely heard, but maybe it's something that needs to sink deep within us if we're going to answer or ask certain questions of God in a message like this, like why does God seem so violent? And again, when we ask this question, some of us may have asked this question of God in this room, why is God so violent? But I think most of us, if, if I'm going to hazard a guess, are worried about our friends thinking these thoughts. So again, keep in mind that this, this is yes to fill you up, but it's also to equip you in answering a question from those that would, would have a question about your faith, to offer a testimony about how good our God is. So here's a verse in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8. He says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now what's being communicated here is obviously something that is um, uh, is it, it, is easy to to um, 
it's easy to allow our minds to understand, okay, that's true, God's ways are higher, but, it, but it's a hard thing to hold intention when we come across passages within Scripture that disagree or, or offend us in the way that we want God to be. Because it's one thing to understand, like, okay, his ways are higher than my ways, but then all of a sudden, we come to a passage where God is, like, commanding them to do something that we think isn't good, and then we go, like, man, is God good? And we immediately put ourselves in the judge's seat, and we put God on the stand. He's on the docket. He's, he's going to be judged by our understanding. So in one way, we'll come across this, and we're like, we'll worship God. We'll be in a worship service. We'll be like, your ways are higher than my ways. Your, your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And we love it because in that moment, we're being filled with all these thoughts and all these feelings, and, and we love it, and we praise him, and we worship him. But then we exit that moment. We actually come across moments where we're like, man, God doesn't seem that great. And immediately, rather than going, but his ways are higher than my ways, his thoughts are higher than my thoughts, what we immediately go to is, is God actually good? And so what we know sometimes intellectually, we don't carry into our actual experiences with God all the time. Now, um, one of the examples that, um, in a message that I was listening to that actually Pastor Nate sent me, um, the pastor um, pointed out a, 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 a guy in the crowd and he was holding a baby. And, and so, you know, for any one of us that have a baby, or even Anna, who I think just walked out with Charlie, um, if we were to all to assent in this room, we would say, Anna's a really, really smart woman. Does anybody know Anna? Yeah, Anna's awesome. Yeah, we're even getting claps for Anna for how great she is. Anna's awesome. Anna's a wonderful, was it Anna that walked out? Who was it? It was Christina. Oh, okay, well, Christina, on the other hand, uh, <laughs> that's not going to work. No, I'm just kidding. Isn't Christina awesome? Also, Anna's like, listen, my kid is fine. Like, okay, so it was Judah that was, okay, we're going to have to talk afterwards, uh, Chica and Christina, get Judah uh, and that, you know, anyway, okay, so everybody understands, Christina, anybody know Christina? She's wonderful, isn't she, Chike? She's okay, um, but she walks out with Judah, and, and I think we go, like, Judah's beautiful kid, like, I love Judah, every time I see Judah, I'm like, I'm smiling, because he's always smiling, I'm like, this is an awesome kid, but all of us would look at this relationship, and we would obviously understand that Judah, um, while an awesome kid, a lovely kid, um, smart for his age, even, is, is probably not in the realm of intellectual uh, smartness as his mom. That's a very simple point to make, right? We all understand, like, this is, this is basics of just, like, yeah, we know that Judah is not Christina. We need to take this perspective a little bit when it comes to God with ourselves, <laughs> okay? So as God's kids, we need to understand that our creator— the creator of this universe, the one that set things in motion, the one that gave us the, the word of God that we judge him by sometimes, this God is, is, is infinitely more distant from our ability to, and capacity to think than even Judah is from his mother Christina. That is us in our relationship to God. And so that's one of the places we have to start when we start to analyze, okay, what is God up to? What is, what is God thinking? Like, what is God doing in these passages? What's happening as we explore these topics? For instance, um, when we come to something like um, the story of Cain and Abel, and all of a sudden, you know, Cain brings uh, uh, God some, some meat, or no, sorry, Cain brings the vegetables, Abel brings the meat, um, and God, like, like, basically gets really upset with Cain. And he's like, Cain, like, vegetables aren't as good as meat, and that's the way we sometimes read it. Like, what is it in that, that Cain brought? 
I'm always asking my kids, like, what is it? Why was God actually upset with Cain and Abel in this story? And they're like, well, it's the type of gift they gave, the heart, sorry, in which they gave the gift. I'm like, that's right, it's the heart. And sometimes we can sit there and go like, man, why did God get so angry with Cain and Abel, and, or so with Cain, in the story of Cain and Abel, and why didn't he just like relax a little bit? Like, like and this is, this is a subconscious thing that we're, we're analyzing God, not just from our feelings, but, but from the culture that we live in, because we're bringing not only ourselves into script, read, reading scripture, we are bringing like the worries and, and the, the skepticism of our culture into reading scripture at times, because we're constantly wrestling with our faith. So that's the question we'll often ask, is like, man, what's up with God in the story of Cain and Abel? Rather than understanding in that moment, like his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And approaching it rather with the question of like, man, why is God like that? Instead of asking ourselves the question, why do we feel like we, can, we, we are allowed to bring whatever we want to God and that it should be acceptable? Like that's the question that we should be asking ourselves in that story. Is why do I as a human actually approach this story thinking that God should accept whatever I give him? And some of us carry ourselves with that, don't we? When it comes to that giving moment, we tune out because we're like, why, why, why should I give that to God? Like, why should I give something that he's given me back to God? And meanwhile, the question is really like, why do we think that it's acceptable to just give God whatever we want rather than what he deserves? His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. There's a story of a guy, the Ark of the Covenant, which housed the presence of God. It begins to fall over. Um, and, uh, and, and his name's Uzziah, and, and it begins to fall over, and he reaches out to catch it. And in, the mo- in that moment, he dies because he's not supposed to touch the, the ark. And, and I think our human thought as we're reading this story is we're going like, oh my gosh, like, God has a short fuse. Like, why, why did God do that to him? And yet, we need to actually bring this understanding. His ways are not our ways. And, and part of the question we should be asking ourselves is, why do we think we can do anything we want in the presence of God? Why do we think that it's okay when God says to not slander our brother and sister to do it in his presence anyway? Why do we think that it's okay to walk into a place and he said, if you have anything against a brother or sister in the faith, before you come to my altar, you're to go offer forgiveness. You're, you're, you're supposed to go get it right. Why do we think we can just walk in here and not think that's for us and just go, you know what? If I'm not forgiving people, that's on them. Look, why is it that we see that story and go, God's bad, when meanwhile we should be asking ourselves, why do I think I can walk into God's presence and, 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 and deal with his presence however I want? So the question becomes not just, is, is God really violent in, throughout the Bible, but the question also becomes, do I actually believe that God's ways are higher than my ways? Do I actually believe that God is a good God? Because if that's the case, I start from a very different place in order to read these passages that, we've, that I read earlier and also the passages that most of us have come across that we go, man, what is going on here? We allow, we allow ourselves the ability to approach it with understanding that God is good. See, um, I'm a dad, and uh, so um, I guess I'm invited to this uh, men's event that's coming up, and uh, I will be wearing... Actually, I can't even go because um, they didn't ask me about the date, and we're on our second installment of vacation next week, so... Have fun. I can't play capture the flag, which I'm really disappointed in. And uh, but as a dad, um, every once in a while, there's there's a, a moment where discipline needs to take place. And um, uh, this is one of the hardest points uh, of, of parenting, 
Because if you haven't been a parent um, and you've only been on the receiving end of parenting and I don't know what your experience is, what I can tell you is that there's a lot of moments of discipline where it's just, uh, it's hard to do. And it's not hard to do because it's exhausting. That is a reason. It's not just hard to do because you're not sure what discipline to give. Like sometimes, like Emma and I will look at each other and we're like, we just run out of options here. Like, like all, of the, all of the options are like, what do we do? Like banish them from our house for like a few days? Like go live with the neighbor. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like we forgot. We don't know. Like, we already went to our highest form of discipline. You're now out of the house for a few days. Like, I, like okay, you know, walks over to her friend's neighbor. Anyway, and, and, and parenting can be really difficult. One of the reasons I find parenting really difficult is because every once in a while the kids will do something really bad that's really, really funny. Like, like they'll do something and you're like, man, like that was, like, I mean, if you're Jimmy Fallon, I would be laughing my head off. Like, if this was a comedy show, like, this would be laughable. Um, I must even admit, like, young kids between, and there's a lot of poop coming out of this message. I'm so sorry. I'm not like, you guys have, you guys have listened to enough messages to know that I'm not the poop guy. Like, I think it's disgusting. But um, our kids are in the specific season of their lives where all they want, and this is probably why it's in my head. I'm like trying to get them not to talk about it. This is my outlet. I'm just like, um, but they're, uh, they're always like, trying to make poop jokes. And like, they'll just like, like kids are, kids are so simple because they understand, like, they just want to make their friends laugh or their siblings laugh. And they know like complex jokes, like that's not going to get them. But every once in a while, you catch one of the kids just walking by one another. They'll just be like, Boop. and the, the, the other kid would be like, oh, you're hilarious. And I'm watching it, and I'm going like, this is, this is, this is insane. Like, I'm living in an insane asylum. Like, what? You just said the word poop, and they're, like, losing it. They're dying. But I must admit, every once in a while, they make one of these jokes that are off base, and I'm like, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty good. But instead, I looked at Emma, and we're both kind of trying to hold it in. We're both looking at each other like, and uh, trying to shield our face from our kids. And it ends up with us taking them to another room and be like, this isn't good. <laughs> this is why it's not good. And then giving them a variety of disciplines, ranging from a timeout to going to live with the neighbor for four days. And uh, in that moment, I must, I must say, like, I don't know, like, this is my experience with my family, and, and I think I'm, I'm watching our kids closely, and, and I'm analyzing their interactions with us and their experience of us as their parents. And I must say, like, I never once questioned my dad's love for me in that. And as I see my kids and they receive the discipline, I, in that moment, they, they know they've messed up. And I don't think that in that moment they're going, and mom and dad don't love me. But they understand because we're in this environment where there's, there's way more love than there is discipline. That way this is necessary for my growth. And so when it comes to the scriptures, these scriptures, like the biggest thing we have to get inside of us right now, and, and, and as we continue to search, seek out God's heart and as we continue to read scripture, is that God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are higher, his ways are higher, and the things in which he, the ways in which he leads us are, are, are incomprehensible from us as his kids, and we have to trust him. We have to trust that he's loving. It allows us to deal with the rest, of the, the rest of the questions. Okay, so here's the second point. Most violence within scripture is not done by God. Okay, I'm just gonna give this as like a caveat because it's not a big point. 
when somebody is questioning God within, the, within scriptures, often they think God is doing a lot of the, most of the killing and the stuff that you read within scripture, which there's a lot of it. Like, and we could read reams of verses on this stuff. Um, if people are to bring it up to you and you're, you're kind of scared, you're like, oh man, this is bad, you know? What we have to understand is that most of the killing within the Bible is not done because God commanded an army to go fight another army. It's done because like humans are, are bad people without God and we're sinful and they just go and kill each other because that's what humans do without God. That's just like the second point. That was a quick one, wasn't it? Can we all give it up for a quick point within church? <laughs> so, no, for real. Like, like everyone saw a pastor's like, I've got 10 points. They're like, oh gosh, we're going to be, like, I'm going to miss my, my dinner. Like, what is going on? That, please, I'm a pastor that speaks a lot. Like, that was, that's the point. That's, that's point two. Okay, third point. <laughs> okay, we have to take a long view on Scripture. So this is the third point, take a long view. And here's what I mean by this. Is we are so, like, in our, in our society today, and this is something that I want to gripe on, and, like, I want to speak a whole message on, is on this thought of delayed gratification, because we are, we are really struggling with that now, and it's the cause for so much debt, it's the cause for so much obesity, it's the cause for so much unhealth, it's the cause for so much of the troubles that we find ourselves in, is that we suck at delaying our gratification as humans. We, in, in other words, the way that you could say that is we, we have a hard time taking a long view on life. Within scripture, when we're reading it, with God, when we're experiencing him in our lives, we have to understand that we have to take a long view on what God's actually about. Do you realize that God created us and created the world and created us in that world so that he could have relationship with us? It's the most beautiful story that's ever been written. A God who didn't need creation, that was already, already contained within the triune God, already had enough love existing at the center of the universe, decides to bring his creation, to create something called humans to bring into the love that he was experiencing. That's, that's the story of the, the, that's the creation story in a nutshell. That God who already existed in love thought it necessary to bring us into that love story. It's beautiful. And do you realize that since that point when we kind of messed it up by choosing other than God, choosing sin, decay, the, the start of the decay of our own souls, from that moment, God's entire, his entire purpose is to work with what we've been doing in order to bring complete healing to the world that he created. Now, for us, our entire history is what we, what, 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 we, what we know. And we go, well, we've been struggling forever. Yeah, but in all of eternity and this, like, time, space, and continuum that, that, that God actually, like, steps outside of and that he finds himself outside of, like, he's been existing in eternity, and this is actually like a blip on, on what he's experienced, if time in his world and in his existence can be described that way. And in that, he spent the entire time, our entire history, trying to woo us back unto himself. And not only that, also finding a way for us to be back in relationship with him. And so when we read of, of a lot of the things going on in, in, in scripture, we have to take this long view. And of course, we will once again revisit this idea of creation, fall, redemption, consummation as the narrative arc of scripture. Create it, creation, there was, God created a good thing. Fall, humans, Adam and Eve, chose other than God. Redemption, the period in which um, we currently still live in, where God is redeeming his people unto himself, bringing them back in relationship with him, and consummation, which is the end time. It's, it's where God comes back and everything is set right once and for all. 
And when we find ourselves post-fall, pre that consummation period, what we find ourselves in is this period of time which a lot of theologians and, and academics would call the already not yet time period, where God has already paid the price for our sins, but it is not yet complete. Like the, the, the effects of sin is not yet in its, in its fullness been washed away from us. And we live in that time period. Now, all of us would say like, hey, Jesus coming was a pretty good thing. And if you don't believe that, then let's go back to like sacrificing animals and like you'd walk into the space and I'd be like, all right, is everybody ready for me to slaughter the goat in front of you? And like, you know, just, and you guys would be like, oh my gosh, like what is happening here at Slate Church? And, and so like, it doesn't take very long to be like, no, Jesus is better. <laughs> like, that's a little bit better. Yeah, okay, I, I agree. Or how about like that only a few people could walk into the direct presence of God? I mean, that's also like, like that's, that's, that's something that I want to experience. On the other side of Jesus, we get to experience that. Now, all of us would say Jesus coming is good, but we have to understand that, that God had to bring Jesus into the world. So often when we see the violence within the Old Testament, what's actually happening is God is preparing a way for Jesus to come into the world. Now, does this mean that the ends justify the means? Does this mean that there is a, there's an aspect of uh, utilitarianism going on within Scripture? No, but God also, wanted, God, God also knows the priorities of the heavens. The priorities of the heavens is not that we would just have a great moment here in the year 2022, but that he would accomplish his purposes here on earth. And by the way, his purposes are better than whether or not we feel good in our moment of history. His purposes of bringing all humanity back into relationship with him, to me, when I get outside of my experience, is a much better end than just making sure that Brandon feels good in the year 2022 in the Waterloo region. And all throughout scripture, when we come across some of this violence, what we see happening is God is preparing a way for his presence, not only in the land, but his presence through the person of Jesus Christ. So what does this mean? Is that even with some of the, the, um, the nations that, man, God seems pretty upset with, like the Amalekites mentioned in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verses 2 to 3, is that God is removing them in order to bring about his people. He has chosen the people of Israel, has chosen the, the family lineage of Abraham in order to bring about Jesus into the world. And he's taking out the Amalekites not because these were people that were good, but these were people that were, were really wicked. And by wicked, I mean like, and, and this is hard, but if we're going to talk about the violence of God, we have to talk about the wickedness of the world. But they served a God named Molech, and Molech was this, was a statue that they had created, and I forget what he was created out of, but he kind of, he sat like this, and they would put their babies in the hands of Molech, and they would heat him up, so it was some sort of metal that Molech was made out of, and they heat him up, like, as hot as they could, so that the metal was burning, and what they would do is they would take their infants, and they would put them in the hands of Molech, and allow their infants to, to, to be caught into flame at the extreme heat of Molech and, and burn them as an offering to Molech. And there was so much screaming and so much pain coming out of these children that they were offering to Molech that they would actually set up drums and, 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 and instruments in front of the statue and they'd have a live band. So you, you can just see that, you can actually even see the, 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 the spiritual trend continue itself even here to the year 2022 where we come to worship God and we come with, with, with drums and we come with keys and we come with guitars in order to worship him, not to cover something up, but to release something to God. 
But in, but in, in the time of the Amalekites, what they were doing is they were actually burning and, and what they were doing with their drums and their keys and their guitars, what they were actually doing was covering up the screams of their children as they died at the hands of Molech. And so it's hard to, it's hard to picture, like when you're reading this and somebody just goes, man, God said like kill their, Im-. like what is going on here? We'll get to that in just a, just a moment. That, 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 well, isn't he killing their infants too? Like, what's going on here? We'll get to that. But in the midst of this, the one thing that we have to ascertain within Scripture is that God's not clearing the way, and he's just clearing out good people from the land that they live in. He's clearing out wicked people to bring in his presence. And that's a hard thing for us to understand because we go like, man, like war is so bad, and war is so bad. But we also don't live in the time period that they lived in. And it's also interesting because we're really self-righteous as a people, aren't we? Because on one hand, a lot of us will call ourselves pacifists, but then we'll also hang a Ukrainian flag from our window and support Ukraine in their fight for their own country. And by the way, my family came from Ukraine. This is personal for me. I think it's good that they're, they're standing up against what seems to be a domineering empire. I think it's also good. But we've got to hold these things in tension and go like, hey, when is it okay for war to happen then? In our minds, where we've been in peace for the last number of years here in, here in um, like, last couple hundred years here in, um, in the West, like, like, when is it okay for somebody to actually go to war? Because we bring our measuring stick to measure against God, and we say, well, God has to follow our measuring stick, my way of seeing the world, when we need to understand that his ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And part of the violence that occurs within the Old Testament is violence in order for him to actually bring about his presence and ultimately bring about the person of Jesus that would also release the Amalekites and their children from the grip of wickedness. It's taking the long view on things. Is this heavy? <laughs> I feel like this is kind of heavy. Is everybody's like, okay, well, here's good news, is we only have one more week of this series, and uh, then we're going to get into stuff that makes you feel good about yourself, make sure that you are like the center of your universe again, and uh, we'll go back to that. A couple weeks, you'll just be like filled up with like, man, I feel like I'm walking on a cloud. You know, we're going to give out cotton candy at the end of service and we feel light and fluffy, okay? Um, no, we're going to go into a series that's going to encourage us to live out our faith and, and that sort of thing. But we only got one more week of this and I want you to stick with me. So first thing, his ways are not our ways. Second thing, most violence was not done by God. Third thing, the violence, uh, or sorry, the third thing was take a long view. Now, I've got two more points, and they're going to be as quick as the second point, uh, and, and, and that's a good thing, I think, for this very heavy um, uh, kind of message. The fourth point I want to make is that God actually um, demonstrates over and over again within Scripture is extreme patience with people, extreme patience. We might go like, man, it doesn't seem like he's patient. What, what we have to actually understand is specifically even with the Amalekites, like God has actually, one of the reasons that he allowed Israel, his own nation, right, the nation he's chosen during this, this period of, of history. One of the reasons that he allowed his own nation to be caught in slavery for as long as they were was because prior to this, he had offered a warning to the nations and, and the, the, the empires and the people groups that weren't serving him to repent and turn from their ways or he would destroy them. And so 400 years, the Israelites have, have been in, in captivity, and he's, about, he's, he's going to release them. But they've been given this 400-year, all of the, the Amalekites, the Canaanites, all of these other nations have been given a 400-year time period after their warning to turn to God. And what do they do? They, they don't do it. 
So one of the things we have to understand is that God's not just like, you did something wrong, like Zeus, I'm going to zap you with a lightning bolt. What we see actually within scripture is God is, is long-suffering with people. It gives them a lot of time. He, he gives them a lot of opportunity to repent from the things that they're doing. And by the way, that's the same thing that we get in our lives as well. Is God is giving us a long time to turn and understand that he is good, that he is loving. That by accepting Jesus and allowing his presence to wash over our lives, that we can actually be found in good relationship with him. He is actually very patient in his discipline. That's point number four. And point number five is this, and, and it's just, um, uh, it's something to deal with some of the language that we hear. And uh, final point is this, is that ancient war rhetoric was hyperbolic. And I know that's not like an easy like, thing to write down in your notebook if you're taking notes or on your phone. Um, but ancient war rhetoric was hyperbolic. And that's important to know, because when we hear him instructing, go kill and and Joshua is going out, and he's like, we're to kill everybody. We're to slaughter them. We're to take them out. We're to get rid of every single one of them. What's actually happening is that there's ancient war rhetoric that is hyperbolic being used. The closest example that we have of this is um, uh, every once in a while we'll pe- play, uh, well, throughout the winter, we play hockey as, a, as a, a church. Well, some of us on the hockey team play the, uh, the ones in need of the most sanctifying play hockey in the, in the midst of uh, the winter. We'll get up here on, uh, on Sunday, and usually when we beat Creekside, because their team's terrible, um, I'll get up and I'll, I'll, like, uh, I'll offer it to the church. I'm like, guess what? Last, last night we played Creekside, and we killed them. Killed them! Love Creekside. Ken's one of my neighbors in the neighborhood that we live in, Heidelberg. Um, I love Creekside, but I'll get up and I'll, just as a joke, I'll get up and be like, we slaughtered those guys. Like they're, they're decimated. We absolutely killed them. It was like eight to nothing. Awesome. And sometimes we hear this stuff and we're just like, oh man, it's so funny. Like in the moment, it's like, oh, it's so funny. Like oh, we won and like, I wonder if somebody from Creekside was here, what they would think. Like, oh my gosh. And we're just like, kind of like, and meanwhile, you didn't, you just heard me say like, we slaughtered them. We killed, absolutely decimated these guys, which has actually never happened because they're pretty good. But, like, if I was to use that language, you'd go, like, okay, like, I understand what he's communicating right now. What we have to understand is that during this time period, like, wipe them all out. Kill them. Everyone. Bash their head. All of this kind of stuff was being spoken to a very barbaric culture that understood that the goal wasn't to kill every infant in their path. It was to not allow their, the, the nation and their ideologies and, their, and the, the gods that they worship to infiltrate them when they took the land. And what we actually see over and over again is that after it says they absolutely decimated them, they destroyed the nation. What we actually see is a few chapters later, often there'll be a person that all of a sudden they're talking about who is a part of that nation. And it's like, wait, that, that doesn't even line up. It says they decimated. It says they got rid of them. It's, but then they're interacting with the person that is a part of that nation. Like Rahab. Rahab was a part of the city of Jericho. And yet she is saved in the midst of all of that. Yet we decimated. We didn't leave a person standing, it says, after the, 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 uh, the, the, the battle of Jericho. And yet what we see is a whole family standing at the end of it. <laughs> And what we see is that what God is actually communicating in this is that you have to take this land in order for my presence to come in. The goal is not to kill every infant. The goal is to make sure that I am the one that is standing and not the God of Molech. And so what we see is that ancient war rhetoric is hyperbolic and not meant to just be seen as something to be taken and go, wow, like, 
should we go kill somebody? No. It's that God is good, and his purposes is to bring Jesus in, into the world so that we might not have to strive in our own strength to bring about peace into the world that we live in, that we might rely on the strength and the peace that God offers us. Okay, that's the message. That's uh, pretty heavy, isn't it? Is anybody going to come up? I'm just feeling alone. I'm... Why don't we stand up in this place? Is anybody hot? Okay, can we get Landmark to, well, we're paying them, can we get them to like maybe turn on the AC a little bit? Um, at least a little bit of the money we could go to could go to cooling this room, I think. Um, <laughs> I was just thinking this in my head and I'll let what was going on in my head come out. Uh, <laughs> I'm done, I am personally kind of done with teaching messages. I just want to preach. Um, this has been a great series, and I'm the one that, that ultimately said that we should do it. But uh, I'm, like, I'm like, how do I encourage these people at the end of that? Like, wow, okay. Well, guys, go in peace. You know, like, ah. Oh. Here's what I want the encouragement to be as we end this message is um, um, don't, be, don't be afraid of the world. Or there are questions about God or scripture that anybody can straw man any issue. Just take the weakest points out of what it seems where they're the weakest and argue that. Anybody can do that in this world. I think the big thing that I want to communicate at the end of this message is I give just some context for some of the violent things that are in all of that as I'm, as I'm doing that here this morning. The big thing I want us all to take away is that God is good. he deeply cares for the people that he has created. And he's gone to greater lengths than we even realize to be able to sit in a room like this, stand in a room like this, and to be able to be in his presence without all of the baggage and the things that often weigh on us because of the freedom that comes in his presence. And when we come across some of these questions, because here's the big thing that I'm personally convicted of as we go through the series, is there's so many times where I'm having questions about my faith, where where I'm not responsibly going, okay, God, your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my way. You're, as, as the, I'm not doing that. What I'm doing is, and that's, that's a scary thing. I'm just gonna go do something else right now because I, I don't really wanna think about that right now. And what I want you to, what I want all of us to realize in this room right now is as we live in this world and some of those doubts have filled us over the course of years and we haven't dealt with them, not from the perspective of humbling ourselves, but just like, oh, that's too much right now. And as we've, as we've piled up more baggage in that kind of category of just like leaving it and avoiding it, what I want you to take from this is that God is actually good. For all that baggage that you've been putting aside, you don't have to be afraid of this pile that's piled up. You can know that God is good, that people have done hard work to know who God is in the Bible, that you can walk away understanding that he really does love you, really does care for his, for his creation. He really is who he says he is. He really did send Jesus in the world so that you would be saved. And he really did provide his Holy Spirit so that you would have the presence of God with you in your life. And so right now, as we bow our heads and close our eyes, I do wanna start with just praying for those of us that never heard the story that God brought Jesus into the world. Jesus was God. It's a triune God that Jesus died on a cross to pay the price for sin that we couldn't pay for ourselves so that we could be back in the relationship with God. If, if you're here today in this whole story, you didn't realize that, 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 
that that is who Jesus is and what he was for. And today you're going, you know what, I want to make a decision to follow Jesus. I want to, I want to make a decision to follow somebody who goes to such great lengths to bring me back in relationship with him. If that's you today and you want to make a decision to follow Jesus, I would just encourage you right now, wherever you are, heads bowed, eyes closed. I'm not going to point anybody out, but just to raise a hand and say, you know what, today I want to make a decision to follow him. So if that's you, can you just raise a hand and say, you know what, today I'm making a decision. I, I, want, I want to lean into who Jesus is. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray for those that are making the decision in this room. And we just pray that you would show them that they are loved, that your Holy Spirit is for them, that, that God ultimately have a great plan for their life. I may show them that even as they make a decision to follow you, that it's actually, this isn't something to just be forgotten, set it and forget it, but it's, it's something to be lived out with you. So God, even right now, we just pray for your spirit to come and to sanctify, to help us, to allow us to know who you are in, in a deeper way. God, we pray for them right now that, God, you would just be with them. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, can we celebrate those who making a decision. Okay. I also just want to um, pray for those of us that are kind of coming out of this message. And, and maybe this is what, this is what I wanted to pray for is uh, maybe you, maybe that, that pile of things that you've just been ignoring is, is pretty high. And you're just going, man, I just need, I need a release from, I need God's release. And I need to trust in him that his ways are higher, that he is good. And I, I actually need, I need that to sink from head knowledge to heart knowledge today. Why don't we just pray for that in this room? So every head bowed and eye closed. But if that's you, why don't we just raise a hand and I'm going to pray for you as we close here today. Amen. All across this room. Jesus, as we raise these hands, what we're not saying is we we think you're bad and we just want, we want your help thinking that you're good. No, what we're saying is, God, I, we need help. As your children, we need help trusting you. Even God, as we were talking last night before I went to bed, and I was just telling you, like, God, I need your strength to follow you. God, that's what we're saying in this room right now is, God, we need your strength in order to just follow you because it's so easy to get up in our heads. It's so easy to try to navigate this life in our own, in our own way of conceptualizing things. And, and God, we need your strength deep within our souls. So God, as we leave this place here today, God, we are praying that our trust would rise because of your strength and because of your Holy Spirit deep inside of us. God, our, our ability to love and our ability to go the distance with you, God, would not be affected by our limited thinking, but that, God, we would deeply understand that your ways are higher, your thoughts are higher, and that, God, ultimately you love us more than we could ever love you. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Thanks again for listening to our Sunday podcast. To hear more messages like these, be sure to share and subscribe. We're thankful for all that God is doing in our church right now. We would love to have you be a part of what is going on. You can connect with us by filling out a connect card online at slatechurch.com. And hey, stay tuned for more content coming soon.